Hello and welcome to CAA Conversations. I'm Emil Robinson from the University of Cincinnati School of Design. Today, our two guests are my colleague Arti Sandu, Associate Professor of Fashion Design here at the University of Cincinnati, and Canadian contemporary visual artist Mira Sethi. Mira and Arti engage in a rich conversation around a 2019 ad campaign by well-known Indian fashion label Raw Mango. Raw Mango featured a Kashmiri bride to promote their winter festive collection, while at the same time, the state of Kashmir was under political lockdown. Mira and Arti speak about issues around politics, privilege, and the use of craft within Indian high fashion. Arti Sandhu's research is centered on contemporary Indian fashion and related design culture. She is the author of Indian Fashion, Tradition, Innovation, and Style, and has published academic articles on dress in the South Asian diaspora in New Zealand, Indian Street Style, the Contemporary Indian Catwalk, and Indian Drag Queens. She is also the fashion contributor for Arts Illustrated magazine and writes an online column for The Voice of Fashion. Mira Sethi is a Canadian contemporary visual artist whose practice encompasses a range of mediums to pose questions about migration, diaspora, hybridity, and belonging. Her work foregrounds contemporary histories on the edges of representation. Fashion and the politics of dress is a persistent theme. Recent work includes Outerwear, a series of embellished winter coats, Begum, a series of mixed-media paintings that explore the notion of excess in queer fashion, and Upping the Ante, a multi-dimensional project comprised of street fashion photography, a coloring book for adults, and a series of paintings on canvas that place the figure of the ante at the center of fashionability thus calling into question our unexamined notions about style. Mira's work is in the permanent collection of the Royal Ontario Museum and the Wedge Collection. Her work has been exhibited at national and international venues. She lives and works in Toronto. Here is Artie and Mira's October conversation. A big welcome to both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Emil. Thank you for inviting me to um, to do this podcast with you. And um, the minute you spoke about this, I knew that this was an, a wonderful opportunity to reach out to Mira. Um, I had um, I had been aware of her work, and we kind of touched base a couple of times. Uh, and then through getting to know her and her work, I realized that we have a lot a lot of things in common. So we were both born in Delhi, but migrated at different times in our lives. Um, but we both have very vivid memories or uh, material memories of clothing uh, and specifically also wearing a plaid dress in uh, when we were much younger. Um, <laughs> I saw that somewhere. And then, uh, we both address, as you said, nostalgia, migration, dress, fashion, craft in our work. But I think what's interesting is that we're also often surprised and then at the same time delighted when we encounter people who see parallels between our work and their experiences. 
Um, so it's a very it's a very personal satisfaction. Um, we both know the South Asian reference to one small aubergine. Um, and I think that is also a hint that we are both in the anti-age group.
someone um, the way a Kashmiri person might or the way someone within that region might. Um, so, you know, I think that um, what the campaign seemed to say to me is the limits of mainstream fashion. And I think Raw Mango is one of the largest brands out there in India at the moment. Um, I think they're, the quality of the design that they produce, that Sanjay produces, is uh, it's it's excellent, it's exquisite, it's very, very strong. However, this particular campaign, um, I think points to a lot of the struggle that I have with fashion of trying to reconcile critical politics with fashion and design, which is that um, I don't think fashion, it's through fashion that we can find a way forward, especially not through mainstream fashion um, that's so tied into capitalism where we can really find a way forward into conversations um, that are badly needed, such as what's happening in Kashmir right now. You know, I was thinking about if this campaign, let's say, was launched by, or, or rather a parallel campaign was launched by Gucci, where they used um, uh, Gaza um, as a location for, you know, um, uh, craft research or a, a fashion shoot, um, that would create a complete uproar. And I think, and, and rightly so, and I think this sort of parallels that, but within, within an Indian context where, um, you know, I, I think it brings up a lot. And I think it brings up a lot of really interesting questions, not just about um, the usual ones about appropriation, romanticization, exotification, um, the limits of, of what fashion can do, um, but also about... Um, but also about sort of the immediacy of power being challenged right now in our in our moment. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of um, sort of bottom up approaches. Uh, you know, starting with Me Too, with the Me Too movement, um, with sort of uh, uh, seen and heard uh, on um, the the Instagram account um, that calls out. Uh, um, sexual violations within the Indian art world uh, anonymously, uh, et cetera. I think there's a lot of bottom up sort of talking back to power. And I think the response, the very immediate quick response to this campaign um, sort of continues along those lines. Um, you know, and I, and I think it's a very valid critique that's being um, launched against raw mango i think that they did pull the campaign down which was great um mm -hmm. but i i think it's a you know i think it's 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 troubling in a way that i don't think they intended to um fall in line with a very right-wing um fundamentalist government um I mean, I, I don't think that was intentional uh, to, you know, to, to link together um, the idea that, you know, the, the idea that circulating in mainstream Indian politics that um, Kashmiri women equals Kashmiri property, that these sort of go hand in hand. And so the right, right. timing of this particular campaign, it's not just the timing, but the campaign itself, I think, throws up a lot that needs to be unpacked and um, and and actually needs to be uh, thought about very, um, very critically. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think for me, one of the things uh, I spent 
a few years in uh, in Kashmir as a as a child. Um, and you know, I think the interesting thing for me though is that uh, it's not. You're right. It's not about the timing, but I for me it was also a reflection on how. Uh, the design, how design culture has evolved um, in in India, and and how craft is a very critical part of that design culture, but it has sort of led to this moment in which the designer um, ha- has a, a position of power and also a position of privilege um, to talk about craft and clothing, and and at some points in their uh, it's almost that the idea of cultural appropriation doesn't, they don't sort of even consider that. Um, so what I, I think, you know, I agree with you at this this moment, even I feel very much like an outsider and I feel have, having studied design in India and then having moved away, I know that I would probably have not seen the issues with that campaign um, when I was enmeshed in that design culture but but looking at it from where I stand now um, there are certain complexities about access um, about you know and I I wrote this piece um, a few days ago about you know telling stories or or taking over a craft person's or a group of people's narrative and and then packaging that narrative as a way of talking about design or uh, national identity. So to me, I think the problem is about authorship, about privilege, Mm -hmm. uh, and how craft, I think, we collectively feel is sort of a national uh, project, um, but not realizing that that viewpoint also is uh, only a few with privilege have the ability to see it that way. Yeah, I think that's very interesting because I I, I just don't I, I agree with you. You cannot um, uh, take away the question of privilege and access um, and and who controls the narrative and and you know how that narrative is shared and what that narrative says away from the conversation of craft in India. And um, in fact, I, I, I read that story um, that you shared uh, on Voice of Fashion today about. Um, uh, Instagram perhaps being uh, or social media perhaps being a medium in which um, craftspeople can directly communicate uh, with um, their audience uh, without any sort of artist or designer in the middle mediating that. I thought that was a very interesting uh, kind of perspective and or or um, direction. Um, you know, albeit probably very small and minor, but mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't think that I don't think that. I'm not trying to say that there isn't a place for artists and designers to sort of work um, responsibly and uh, respectfully and ethically with craftspeople, because I think there's a lot of potential for that. And I see people, you know, I see people doing that. Um, I see designers um, doing that. For example, uh, Rashmi Varma did a, a, Mm -hmm. you know, wonderful project last, uh, last year at the Serendipity Festival where, she worked, and I'm not sure if she worked with a team, but um, she worked with a, a range of craftspeople across the country to sort of co-create or um, co-curate um, objects that really put their 
vision and voices sort of front and center and, and yet um, elevated the actual object itself. So it was very much about design as well. Um, so I think there are people doing really interesting things. Um, but I think, you know, I agree with you that overall that conversation from my perspective um, as someone outside of the country, uh, it, it I think it's a very complex conversation that involves these sort of very, very long and old and deep national narratives around um, the craftsperson um, needing, you know, quote unquote, saving, um, needing Correct. rescuing. And I think these go all the way back to colonial times, um, but they haven't been resolved. And I think that, uh, you know, caste is also a very big part of it. Uh, labor is a very big part of it where sometimes it's the object that's that's elevated without any um, any sense of, you know, the, the livelihood, the life of the, the community and the individual life of the craftsperson actually doing the work of, of making this, um, you know, whether those are, whether that's in the textile industry, whether that's in, in handloom, whether that's in Kadi, whether, you know, um, that's in a variety of, of, um, of crafts across the country. Um, so I think it's a really interesting question um, that needs to be addressed, especially as craft, Indian craft, um, becomes really big business. So I was just reading something by um, uh, Felita Jay, I think, mm -hmm. uh, who wrote about how some of the big labels, um, some of the big brands and companies in the West are are sort of jumping in on the Kadi market and mm -hmm. trying to sort of monopolize that. Some, I think, are probably doing it in ways better than others. Um, some are doing it in ways that are connected uh, in collaboration with small-scale local designers um, and organizations. Um, such as Save the Loom um, uh, or Dusker, but others are not. So I think this conversation really needs to, to happen. And, you know, and, and no uh, fashion and craft are definitely, definitely not disconnected from politics. I mean, um, raw mango, for example, sets trends they create um they create conversations and sometimes mm -hmm. those conversations are quite interesting i think for example for example border and fall who manage uh the raw mango brand um created this sort of national conversation on sari and sari draping that wasn't new per se but i think they presented it in a very new fresh way that a lot of people could access so Right. And, you know, and I actually appreciate I really appreciated that campaign because I think the interesting thing about the sari is that over time, the one drape, the Nivi drape um, has become the sort of sign of respectability in class um, and sort of an urban and the only identity of the sari. And it sort of took over the more regional and hence uh, pushed to the side unrefined drape. So what I I really appreciated about that um, series of videos that Malika did and then also, of course, featured Raw Mango was that it presented uh, all of these drapes at, uh, at an equal setting as opposed to saying one was refined and the others were not. Um, I, I also think it's it's really, I mean, I, I feel like this is something that we all share is that uh, craft uh, and clothing in India for very, for many reasons, we all... We all have various associations with it. And so I think, 
you know, even in the design community, but also, for example, as just if I was to isolate myself as just a migrant, I think for all of us, we we see our identity in these two things in crafts, clothing, textile in in many ways. And and so I think that's where the problem sometimes the complexity occurs is where uh, Khadi, for example, uh, for a group of individuals is livelihood, uh, is uh, a means to survive. Uh, but for another group, uh, it is a means of maintaining a sense of national distinction. For another group, it's a means of talking about minimalism mm -hmm. and a refined aesthetic. Mm -hmm. uh, and for someone else, it might just be, it might be a very, very moving story about uh, a grandparent or a point uh, in history. So I think, you know, it's it's that, uh, these sort of shared uh, material uh, memories and artifacts that we all have some claim to, and all of these claims are actually quite authentic. Mm -hmm. um, but because they, these claims are also within them is built in the sort of uh, imbalance in any kind of society. That's when I think the sort of complexity comes about. And, and then a moment like this happens where a campaign that is intended for a certain purpose to create awareness, perhaps, and to talk about sort of beauty in an area that is overlooked, a craft that is actually very important to the rest of the nation and to sort of bring a light on that again uh, can also elicit a, a response uh, because of what else is happening. And I, and I think that's where what I'm beginning to learn also is that it's very hard to call out one or one viewpoint as being correct or the only one. And I think it's that sort of understanding of, of all our collective investment um, that I'm, you know, I think makes it fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, I think the sort of um, coming together of um, conversations from people who are differently situated around a particular object. So as you mentioned, Kadi, for example, you know, all the different sort of stakeholders starting all the way from, um, you know, the, the spinning of the, um, or the, the farming of the cotton to the spinning of the, um, the yarn to the, um, the weaving of the fabric to the, um, uh, creation of the garment to its export across the world to its, uh, you know, someone wearing that garment and identifying mm -hmm. that garment to them, then disposing of that garment and what happens, uh, you know, at, at the late stages of that garment, where does it go? You know, all of that, all of that and all the people involved from, from, um, from the, um, the, the the we the the maker to the designer to the wearer all of that um, to the person who is then um, you know working with recycling that garment uh, sometimes in uh, you know in a in a country not even um, connected to South Asia um, is really interesting and I think there's also a lot of power woven into that. Um, you know, into that conversation. So it's it's great to understand these different players and the, and the different people. And I think at the end of the day, it, um, my perspective is that it, it really comes back to thinking about, um, and I think you you spoke, spoke about this in one of your articles, thinking about 
um, well-being across the entire sort of spectrum? How can uh, we sort of ensure that the person um, making this is is treated with, uh, you know, um, it, where laws and um, uh, is treated with respect and treated in a way that um, gives the garment value. And, right. and I, by value, I don't mean uh, its aesthetic appeal or mm -hmm. its um, um, functional appeal or its um, uh, aspirational appeal, but value in terms of who who made it and how is it made. Um, to me, is is an important question and. You know, I think the difference with the conversation around raw mango uh, and their campaign, uh, their Kashmir campaign, is that um, Kashmir is, is Indian occupied right now. And in fact, uh, in its second month of uh, complete blackout, where there is no opportunity for people within the region to you know, uh, have their voices heard to, to, to contact anyone outside to even move within, you know, the, the territory mm -hmm. um, safely. Uh, there, there's just no voice there. And I think that there are so many um, uh, there are so many pitfalls with with this campaign, unfortunately, that um, I'm glad they they pulled it out, pulled it out um, so quickly. But I think that it really points to um, a lack of deeper thinking about the politics um, that are so inherent to fashion and especially to marketing and um, and and larger brands like this. So, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully, it's a learning opportunity, and uh, it would be great if um, right now I think the situation in India is extremely tense. Um, so I, I don't really see people within the fashion community, uh, within the uh, yeah, within the fashion community, really speaking up about what's happening uh, in Kashmir. I see people outside the country speaking up. Um, I, I, you know, I think there's probably various reasons for that. Um, right. But I, I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it it is. Uh, I think that there is also a sort of a fear or concern for what that speaking out could mean for those who are, you know, in their own uh, defense, also actually working towards rehabilitating some of those crafts as well. Um, I think, but that sort of brings, this is sort of my thought, um, is that, you know, it, looking at, for example, uh, your work or the sort of ideas that I'm trying to tackle through talking about fashion and craft, I really believe that it is possible uh, for a successful marriage between uh, fashion as an industry, as well as it being a medium for social change, uh, mm -hmm. for well-being, um, I think the difficulty is 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 that is sometimes the challenge of it being a, a, an industry that has to be successful and profitable. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is a I think it's also a very good moment right now for it to take on perhaps a little bit more of a, a provocative or subversive turn or or just know that there is enough um, support for design that it can take on a voice. Um, so that's that's my hope and belief, because I feel that campaign really could have also done a lot of good if if only that um, 
that lens had been applied to it. And, and it, aesthetically, it could have still had many of those aspects, but it could have had a critical component to it as well. That's just my kind of hope for the mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. I, I think we're doing it in our work. So I feel, I, I think there's evidence of it. There's definitely evidence of it. Um, I'm in, interested in seeing in future how this impacts uh, the, the the fashion or the sort of conversations around uh, Indian craft and dress and fashion that that emerge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I I I I think neither you nor I or um, you know a host of other people could be interested in fashion if it was purely frivolous and didn't have any um, you know any sense of uh, connection to real life or um, hopeful possibilities of of you know making this world a better place etc. So I, I I appreciate that you pointing out that you know, you do see that there is, um, and, and maybe more so in this moment now, um, uh, a, uh, a possibility for fashion to really make change. Um, I think that's probably happening um, in terms of uh, inclusivity, uh, in that's terms right. of um, accessibility outside of India more than within India, but I think those conversations are happening within India perhaps much more so in um in the realm of craft um, and, you know, relationship between designer and maker. And um, and so I think that there is something happening there. And I, I think um, brands like Raw Mango, when they go into a region, uh, are in, in some instances probably very thoughtfully, um, hopefully very thoughtfully uh, uh, collaborating with local artisans and craftspeople, um, you know, in, in whatever is being made. Um, so I agree with you. I think, you know, it, there is potential for a lot of uh, positive impact. Uh, that didn't happen with this, uh, understandably. But um, I think that uh, I hope that that potential sort of grows. And I, I see that there are pitfalls to that potential as well. So, for example, um, I, I was just reading about how um, uh, Kirby Jean Raymond just called out um the business of fashion 500 list for mm-hmm. this false sense of inclusivity of um, basically appropriating um, uh, black gospel choir into uh, the main event and, um, and, and various other sort of um, unfortunate um, racist experiences that, uh, that he had with, um, uh, with the founder Imran Ahmed. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that, is happening a lot as well. And I'm glad that people are calling these out now much more so than before. Uh, I think there's uh, journalists and writers, artists, um, just, you know, people uh, maybe in more um, uh, um, uh, smaller, tangential, sort of on the sidelines of fashion, um, smaller designers calling these things out, and I think that's uh, that's very exciting and it's very important. And it's and it's coming from the margins. It's definitely coming not from the center of any of these uh, any of these brands or companies um, or labels. Um, it's it's coming from it's it's being forced upon them, and I think that that's a really positive. Um, direction. Yes, I agree. And and I think, you know, just bringing it back to the piece that I just wrote about weavers having access to social media, um, 
I think what's sort of very, in my mind, a moment to celebrate also is that these um, voices from uh, the, you know, the peripheral fields or what might have originally been margins, I think what is interesting is that now they are not being presented from the lens of someone who only has the platform, right? So I think that's what is wonderful is that that, that kind of a conversation can happen without a filter um, of a designer or a connoisseur or an academic uh, or someone who just has power in that space. Um, so I look forward to what comes after this campaign and, and um, we should definitely touch base on it again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not sure what's what's going to come after, but um, yeah, hopefully something uh, can can sort of evolve um, after this campaign. Yeah, yeah, and I I think I I, I think having um, people be able to speak directly without um, someone in the middle mediating that is is always uh, is always very powerful can be very powerful. Emil, I think that's us for today. I'm looking at the time. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, what do you think, what do you think Mira? I know we can kind of cut this little bit, my little sure. projection out, but how do you feel? Yeah, I feel great. I think we, we've um, we've sort of addressed a lot uh, a lot of stuff that uh, and we can probably talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. And I, I, I feel confident that we will. Um, Oh, I'm so glad. Well, thank you so much, both of you. Really interesting conversation. And the world definitely needs voices with platforms like the two of you. So I'm, I'm very honored to have had you on CAA Conversations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us.